0: Hi there, Osha here. Thanks for joining me this beautiful Monday, the 21st of September, 2020. Hey, if you're here, thank you for downloading the show. Really appreciate it. it. means a lot. You probably realize that podcasts are free to listen to, but look, they're not free to make, okay? There are people in my life that helped me make this show. Rachel, my uh, show producer, and Andy Ma, my audio producer. Without those two people, there's no podcast. I need to pay those two people. To help pay those people, Sometimes, I play ads. Now, you're either going to hear an ad that's relevant to you, or you won't hear an ad. Hopefully, you'll hear an ad that's relevant to you, is what I'm saying. Now, depending like where you're listening, you might be listening in New Jersey, Norway, Nova Scotia, Numia, other places that start with N, New Zealand. You'll probably hear an ad that's got something to do with near where you live. If you don't, hey, lucky you. You're going to hear Taria Pitt say something cool. If not, hey, thanks for helping me pay for the show. It's a cracker. Stick with it. Here we go. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: When I was training for Ironman, my coach always said to me, just control the controllables. Focus on what you can control. Focus on what you have agency over. For me if I watch the news all day, that would make me personally very anxious. So I don't watch the news all day. I watch a little bit of it because I want to stay informed, but I don't watch the news first thing in the morning because my mornings are about spending time with my family. And I try and just focus on what it is that I have control or I have agency over. So that's Writing, that's my health and fitness. That's being a good mom. That's being a good partner. It almost feels like a little bit of a cop out, being like, oh, well, I don't have any control over this situation. But for me, for my mental health, it's how I manage the situations.
0: That is author, athlete, and mindset coach, Taria Pitt. And this is episode 355 of Better Than Yesterday. Hello and welcome to the show. This is Better Than Yesterday. I'm Osha Ginsburg. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. This is a show called Better Than Yesterday. Something you hear on this show today will help you make today a little bit better than yesterday. That is a guarantee. And tea. Uh, there are 354 other <laughs> interviews. If you want to listen to them, there's also a check-in every Friday. I'm here twice a week. Mondays, I speak with a guest. Fridays, I speak with you. And I've been here since 2013. Big news uh, this week is that Dad Pod, Dad Pod is launching, and I'm very excited about it. Dad Pod season two is back. The other podcast I do with Charlie Clawson about dadding, fatherhooding, mum dadding. That's back, season two. Heaps of great guests coming. I'm very, very excited about it. So that's launching on Wednesday. So if you haven't already put Dad Pod in your podcast feed, whack it in there. Get in there, subscribe. There's a first season there. The second season's on the way. I'm really stoked about it. Taria Pitt's on the show today. Taria Pitt is an extraordinary human being. Her new book is called Happy and Other Ridiculous Aspirations. You can get it wherever you get your books, com. Uh, she's online everywhere, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, double Turia T-U-R-I-A-P-I-T-T. If you've never listened to the show before, hi, I'm Ash Ginsberg. I'm a TV host and a podcaster and an author and a dad and a bicycle rider and now a streamer from Sydney, Australia. And um, yeah, I've been making this show for nearly... I think we just had our eight-year anniversary. I think September 15, 2013. So, hang on. So, 2014 is one year. 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. Seven-year anniversary. God, I can't do maths. I'm so shit. (laughs) Seven-year anniversary. So, anyway. Uh, It's great to have you here. Thanks so much. If you need me, it's real easy to find me. Sendosher email at gmail.com. That's my email address. Um, Super easy to find. Thanks heaps. I won't say this person's name, but um, they sent us a cracking email. New listener, I'm hooked already. A big thank you for your honesty and how you deal with life and the hand you've been dealt and how your life is better than yesterday. Every time I listen, I can understand my daughter a little more. At 10 years old, she has dealt with anxiety for many years now, and personally, I'm only really just coming to an understanding of what she might have to be dealing with. Many times I've resorted to anger as I had no idea what might be going on inside, and my ignorance has hit anger autopilot. I'm understanding more, more tolerant, and trying to be as calm and calming her as required. Thank you in part to you and your guest. Mate, thank you so much and she's lucky to have someone who understands what she might be going through. It's just switches in the brain, man. That's what it is. It's just some things don't bother some people. You know, same things can make someone think the world is ending, and um, it's just a switch in your brain. That's it. It's just a weird reaction. But, mate, thank you so much, and she's lucky to have you. She really is. A note here. uh, Again, I won't say this person's name. Just want to drop you a quick line to say congrats on your book, this person looks like they are also in a, um, a fellowship um, that helps people stay sober. Uh, I appreciate it might have been hard and confronting to relive a lot of the journey and put it in the public arena. I really appreciate you doing so. I took a lot from the book. Certainly helped me on the journey. Hey, thanks, heaps, man. Your comments around exercising the impact on mental health really rank true. I'm in Melbourne at the moment. I had let my physical being really blow out. It was having a bit of an impact on my mental health. Now back on the correct training and moving in the right direction. Congrats. Doing the right thing is not always the easiest option. As they say, we are bloody lucky we get to have two lives. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my guy always would tell me. You know the best thing is? You get to live the rest. You know, We were talking about in sobriety, there's a part of uh, one of the steps you take when you're going through a 12-step program. is one of the steps you take is to kind of go back and really write down and pick the scab clean and really dig into all the kind of shit things you did and the ways you behaved and the the ways you might have impacted other people negatively. And it's a hard thing to do because nobody likes to admit, nobody likes to look at it, but it's really important. And uh, me and my guy, we sat down, we had a long, hard look at it. And he said, look at that, mate. Now you get to live the rest of your life not being that guy anymore. And uh, he's right. I'm really lucky because of that. I'm really, really grateful. And another quick email that came through here. I'm currently listening to your podcast, doing some crochet work. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, it's been a tough couple of weeks, anxiety creeping back in and affecting myself and everyone around me, trying to take some time out for myself so I can be the best mum, partner and friend I can be. Well, thank you so much for crocheting. Crocheting's good. Good mindful stuff, that crocheting. I really appreciate it. Real important to take the time every day to do the work. If you were here on Friday, you'll know that I've been having a tough couple of days, but then I kind of you know had a bit of a look and 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 wonder, why am I having a tough couple of days? And sure enough, it's because i I'd, I'd let a few things slip as far as the the healthcare routine and the mental health care routine had been going. I guess it's similar to like if you were a diabetic and you went holidays and you didn't look at your you know, if you're type 2 diabetic and you didn't look at what you were eating and then you came back and you were all over the place with your blood sugars. Similarly, I was away and now I came back and I was kind of a bit out of routine, a bit out of whack, and I kind of didn't notice that I had been neglecting some really important elements of my self-care routine that I need to do every day to make sure that I'm okay. And um, so things are a lot better. Uh, but it's important. It's really, really, really important. Thanks, everybody, who's been joining me on Twitch. Easy to find me, twitch.tv slash Osher Gensburg, O-S-H-E-R-G-U-N-S-B-E-R-G. Super easy to find me there. You just go to twitch.tv, you sign up for a free account, and just follow me. And it'll let you know when I'm live. And um, this morning I did, uh, I did 50Ks on the bicycle this morning. Sometimes I'm riding a bike, sometimes I'm just sitting here chatting. Um, but I really enjoy it. I really enjoy speaking with people. I really enjoy interacting with people. It's great fun. It's you and me, and we just have a fun time together. It's great. I really enjoy it. I made my Thursday podcast there. I did it live with a bunch of people. That was really great. Had a couple of hundred people joining me for that, which was really, really fun. I'm trying to figure out how to do this game show idea that I've got on there, but I just need to figure out how to get a delay happening. So I'm trying to figure out how to get this game show idea up. But see, in television, we have a a delay. Like in radio, you have a delay, like usually a five or ten second delay. So if someone gets on the phone and goes, are oh, you fucking contacts? So you go, whoop, and you hit a button, and then it dumps the delay and immediately takes you live. It's usually something like five, seven seconds. And that's like when you listen to AM radio, they always have that weird seven seconds of music in between topics because what they do is they go, 13, 13, 32, or whatever the fricking number to call up and complain about immigrants is. And you, you, you hit the button, and the people at home hear seven seconds of music, and you go straight to the caller. So you in the studio are seven seconds in the future. And then, if someone on the phone says something stupid, you um you know you get to jump out and um don't so anyway I'm trying to figure that because I would love to get people involved and love to get uh viewers involved in that but i so if anybody knows how to do a video delay dump uh, please let me know send us your email at gmail.com. I'd really appreciate that now, yeah, so speaking of twitch i did i kind of worried so. Then I got worried after I did the check-in on on Thursday on Twitch, and I got worried that I went too far. <laughs> and I got worried I went too far. And I guess that's always a good sign because that's a sign of, like, that means I was being authentic, you know. That means I was being authentic. And I guess the thing I didn't mention, I guess the thing I forgot to mention, is that getting into action is the only way out of any kind of anxiety or any kind of pain because you've got it. the only way out of the flames is through, and being in action is the only way forward. And, and um, I was particularly, you know – particularly getting some pretty heavy climate anxiety last week. And um, I failed to mention that I'm, I'm very busy working on a quite a big climate action project. <laughs> and so I did heavily weigh into that over the last couple of days. I've been working really hard on that. And that has made things not feel so horrible because it means that I feel like I'm doing at least something. I, uh, I've i also been back really like trying to train every day, which is good. I trained with Audrey the other day. It was great. Audrey and I in the backyard. It's my wife. We um, swung some kettlebells and did some push-ups. It was great fun. And she and I went to dinner last night. It was the first time, and anyone that's had kids will know this, it was the first time she and I had been to dinner by ourselves since before the baby. So I don't know what that was. A year and a half? I don't know. Like a long time. It was so nice. It was really nice to sit across the table from her and just see her face and eat delicious food. Oh, it was wonderful it was really nice in other news I think the possums have finally moved out we had some ring-tailed possums living upstairs and the possums make noise and then the dogs bark and then the baby wakes up so the possums have to go four ring-tailed possums, cute beautiful little things living in our ceiling and so there was a lot of, a possum man showed up and the possum man looked like you think a possum man looks it was a great bloke and then we put a possum box in the back tree so the possums can't live in the roof but there's a place that they can go if they need to go somewhere because they are native creatures and they live in this area and they were here before we were so there's a little box in the, in the backyard that we built for them so they can hopefully go and find that and live in that we put some fruit in there to hopefully try and entice them in there but there's a little wild little kind of doggy door in our roof we pulled the roof tile out and the possum man put a doggy door like a one way flapper. And um, so there's, I don't know, what do you call a baby ringtail possum? Is it a pup? Is it a Joey? I don't know. Anyway, so we think the mum possum got out, and the babies are a little too little, so they usually hang on the mum's back. But it sounds like the mum got out, but then couldn't get back in. And so we were listening to this baby ringtail possum cry in our ceiling. And the baby ringtail possum cry sounds as heartbreaking as you think it sounds for about half a second before the cavoodle loses his motherfucking mind over the sound of this animal behind the wall. And um, so I went up there, I got out on the roof, and I saw that the distance between the beam and the door was about, I don't know, like the height of a water bottle, right? So it might have been just a little too high for this little baby possum to crawl up. So I went in, down and got back inside, went down into the green bin and grabbed a, a branch. That I'd been doing some pruning, right? So I grabbed a branch off one of the trees I've been pruning, and I built a little, I built a little possum ramp, <laughs> and I put a half-eaten pear out of the compost bin. I put a little pear because you know pears—they're ripe, they're not ripe, they're not ripe, they're not ripe. You can eat them for about forty-eight minutes, and then poof, spoiled. So <laughs> we missed the window, <laughs> and so this pear was like mm, okay, and so I put the half of a pear there, and hopefully we didn't hear any possums crying last night. So it's a bit rainy at the moment. Maybe when it dries out, I'll get back out on the roof, because you don't want to read about me falling off my roof. So it sounds like the possums are out of the roof. Anyway, enough about my possums. It's time we should speak to some guests. But before we get to Taria Pitt, if you are into chats with people who have overcome adversity, if you want to get some inspiration, there's a number of conversations on my podcast that you can dive right into particularly with people who have been set back with just impossible levels of physical hardship, people who have yet still persevered and created a brand-new life out of it. If that's the kind of thing that you feel like listening to today with Taria, then you might also get a kick out of episode 263 of this show with Paul DeGelder, an Australian Navy absolute badass who, on a training exercise in Sydney Harbour, was attacked by a bull shark, lost a leg lost an arm, and then has since recreated his life and now lives travelling around the world as a shark conservationist. It's an incredible story, and here's just a little taste. I think there's something that happens when you come that close to death.
1: You can go one of two ways. You either curl up in a ball and you're afraid of everything and you let it cripple you, or you realise that there's just nothing left to be afraid of. I discovered that death is not scary. In the most violent of horrific and painful ways, death was not what I was afraid of. Because once I accepted it, when I was underwater, in agony, being torn apart, I was drowning at the same time and I accepted that I wasn't going home and calm washed over me. The thing that I was concerned about most was, am I ready? And I thought about my life and I realized that I'd lived 10 lives in these 31 years. i have done more in my life than I ever thought possible. So yeah, if I'm going to die now, I'm good to go. I don't need to do any more. I've made up for all the wrongs that I've done
0: as far as I'm concerned and I can die. And then I didn't die. So let me tell you about my guest today. Taria Pitt is an Australian author, athlete and mindset coach. In 2011, at 24 years old, while she was competing in an ultramarathon in remote, far northwestern Australia, she and a number of others were caught in an out-of-control grass fire. Taria suffered horrendous, full-thickness burns to 65 percent of her body, including her face and her hands. Taria lost seven fingers, spent six months in hospital, and had over 200 surgeries to help her try to recover from her injuries. After being told that she would never walk again, in 2016, Taria completed one of the most gruelling endurance events on the planet, the Kona Ironman World Championships. To say Taria is an extraordinary individual is an understatement. She is amazing. (laughs) Just an incredible presence. She works as a mindset coach, a motivational speaker... And on top of this, she is mother to two beautiful young children. Taria truly is an example of what we as humans have within us all, if we choose to access it. I'm truly humbled to have her on the show today. Taria has a new book. It's called Happy and Other Ridiculous Aspirations. You can find that book wherever you get your books. And she's everywhere online, Taria Pitt, Instagram, Twitter, Twitter, T-U-R-I-A-P-I-T-T, pit.com, And she's also Turiapitt on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. So enjoy this conversation with the extraordinary Turiapitt. I'm so grateful that we can speak. I've wanted to speak to you for such a long time, like most Australians who know your story. It is one of those stories that, you know, I certainly draw on when I wake up with a slightly shitty day. <laughs> are,
1: you saying, are you saying my life, whenever you feel bad, you just think, oh, that Taree she's got it heaps worse than me. Is that what you Fuck think? no, oh, sh-
0: no. I'm saying that what do I, no, look at this incredible woman. Look what she has done. Look what she has done. You know, like sometimes as well, like if I was ever feeling sick, I would look up people who won gold medals who had the flu. Yeah. People who won Olympic medals while they were ill. Like, not obviously now I wouldn't go to work if I was ill, but, you know. Please don't. No, no. There's none of that. No, those days are gone. I I bet you're happy about living in your South Coast pandemic-free enclave right now. Uh, (laughs) like
1: I said, it's God's country.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What's it like for you, though? Because I know a lot of your gig is you do a lot of live stuff, and if your year was anything like my year, there was like a week in early March when – just all that corporate stuff just went away. Just boom.
1: Yeah, but it's been the best year of my career. How so? Because I'm not working much. Yeah? <laughs> it's been, well, it's been good because I don't have to travel. I found the travelling aspect really tiring. Like it's a four-hour drive to Sydney, so I'd have to drive to Sydney, fly to the venue, send the hotel. And so like the whole process would be like two whole days be away from one of my kids or if I took them with me, that would just be a bit of complexity in itself. So for me, it's been really good. It's been great. I've enjoyed the space. I've enjoyed being at home with my babies.
0: Don't you get, like, itchy feet? Don't you want to?
1: No. No. Well, because I guess, like, my baby's only five months old. So I've pretty much given birth, still breastfeeding, still in the thick of it, so to speak. So I'm pretty happy just... Mm being at home and also like i think it's a real lesson in how resilient and adaptable we all are because now everyone's just doing things virtually and it's kind of the new normal so i think that's really cool
0: yeah i've got to agree with you the idea of not knowing if we were going to ever get back to production on a show like the bachelor was kind of a worry but at the same time it happened when wolf was five months old same age as your youngest Mm. and just digging on like, okay, I'll get up at five and I'll just do the morning with him and let Audrey sleep. Yeah. It's the shit. It was awesome. It's
1: a, it? But it's taught me a lesson. Like, I don't know, I'm a, a bit like you, Osh. I, I always like say yes to things and do all of these things and I'm really, really busy and I don't know, maybe I missed the point of life a little bit because so I was really busy and I was enjoying my life. I loved my life. I still saw my family and friends. But now I'm seeing them more and I think the time I spend with them is of
0: greater quality. How has this lockdown period, as you mentioned, how has this lockdown period changed the way you think about what the, as you said, you you thought you might have missed the point of life. What's your view on what the point of life is now after having this time, this intense quality family time?
1: Yeah. Well, you know what, I think... As humans, we are also very good at rationalizing things to ourselves and justifying things to ourselves because, like, this is the new normal. This is life for now. So we could bitch and moan about it or we could pick out the things from it that we really get off on. And for me, I am frothing on being able to spend so much time with my family. Like, I'm loving that aspect. I'm home every night. I'm picking up my son from preschool. It's been really, really good. And I think, like you said, with a new baby, you know way, you're almost in lockdown a little bit anyway. You know what I mean? You don't really do that much when you've got a new baby. So I probably haven't, it hasn't been as much of a shock to me. And I'm not, I'm not a very social person either. So I'm not like always out socialising, going to clubs, going to dinners, going to pubs, all that
0: stuff. I'm all about Club Bed featuring MC Blanky is my favourite place to go. <laughs> <laughs> it's the greatest thing in the world. But again, I, I cheat, Torea. I'm sober, so uh, going out's not my bag. But I, I, I agree. I agree with you. You know, being here with the kids has been extraordinary, and as much as I see the youngest grow and change every week, I'm more present to changes in our eldest. You know, she's now 16, but then she'll be a different kid today than she was a week ago and two weeks ago. Like, about every month, she's a different version of who she is.
1: Yeah, that seems very dramatic.
0: Yeah, it's extraordinary. Like, it's not without its challenges, you know. Obviously, she's a powerful young lady. She's taller than both Audrey and I. She's a very athletic, very physical kid and a very forthright, very driven child. Well, not child, young adult. And, um, yeah, it's not without its challenges, but that's all a part of the gig, you know. Do you remember when you were 15, 16?
1: Oh, I was a bitch. I was really rude to both my parents. Yeah, I would have been horrible to live with.
0: (laughs) What does that look like? What did that look like?
1: I was just a bit of a psycho. Like I just, I started as a psycho, but I think when you're young, like you've got all of these hormones and all of these emotions raging and vacillating, and I think, like I, I used to love running even then, so if I got really mad, you know when you get so angry, you can feel it like bubbling underneath the surface, bubbling underneath your skin. So if I felt like that, I'd go for a run because I recognised that going for a run or going for a surf made me feel better and made me, it was my therapy, it made me calm down. But sometimes I would just get really caught up in the moment and lash out. But I think that's, again, it's a very, not not something that is constricted to just being young, but I think it's a very common occurrence like, with young people at school.
0: Though you were extraordinarily lucky, in my opinion, to have discovered The link between physicality and changing your mood state.
1: So lucky. And I I think I got that from my dad because if I was ever angry or annoyed, even if I got angry, I remember once my dad put me in a cold shower. It sounds... sounds sounds like abuse but it wasn't but he just all of those things told me that I had agency like you said Osha and I could change how I was feeling so if I felt mad I could go for a run and I would probably feel better or if I felt angry at the world I could go for a surf reset that would make me feel better if I woke up feeling really shitty and lethargic if I have a cold shower that's probably going to help me to snap out of it and I'm not saying we always need to be you know we always got to change our state and if we're feeling sad and angry and down, that they're bad things because they're not. They're just part of being human. But if we want to, we can change how we feel. And I sort of unpacked that a little bit more in Happy as well.
0: Yeah. There there was one thing that like as I was going over and getting ready for this chat today, there was one thing that I kind of did want to, before we get into it, and the, the kind of extraordinary things that you discovered and the people that you spoke with. Uh, There's been a time in my life when I was actually quite, quite ill, and Mm. as much as I, all the things that I do right now to make me Mm. feel better, uh, the thought sort of things we're just describing, physicality, you know, doing the work, writing things down, all that kind of stuff, that actually that moves the needle. Now it moves the needle, but when I was sick, Mm. I could do that shit all day and nothing would change because my brain was just kind of jammed shut. And I would, I just wanted, to uh, you know, see what your thoughts were on people who might have that kind of aspect, hmm. because you, I felt like I see everybody else being happy. Why can't I be happy? But my brain mm. was stuck. I needed meds to loosen that up mm. so I could then get out of those thought patterns. And I just wanted, you know, your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, totally. Because I mean, I remember after I got burnt, I was so depressed. I was so down. And when people would say to me oh, like it's a beautiful day today, like go water the garden, that makes me happy, I would want to just slap them because it was like they they didn't understand the amount of pain that I was in. And for you, Osha, it would have been a lot of pain as well. So I think if you're in a situation like that, yeah, going for a run or having a cold shower probably is going to do F all. And so I think what did you do, Osha? You saw a psychologist?
0: A psychiatrist. Yeah, I went and got on the gear. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, and did that help because I took antidepressants as well and it was like a fog lifted and I could then start saying that I had agency and that I could influence how my days turned out by the activities that I could do. So I guess that would be my advice as well. Like don't feel like if you go for a run and you still feel really, really shit that there's something wrong with you. You would seek a professional just like if your car's broken. Yeah. You'd see a mechanic or if you wanted to get your face beautified, you'd see a beautician. If you want to look after your mental health, you go see a mental health expert like a psychiatrist or a
0: psychologist. I could not agree with you more. I guess the way I put it, and I know you're, you're someone who's into endurance sports so you'll understand the analogy, is um – I like cycling, I like watching cycling, and I just kind of pretend that no one's doping, but I know they all are. Um, You can take all the EPO you want, but you've still got to pedal your balls off to get to the top of the mountain, all right?
1: Yeah, I love that.
0: But it's the truth.
1: It is. Similarly,
0: you can take antidepressants, but they won't do anything unless you do everything else.
1: Yeah, go for a run. Ride your bike. Eat a healthy meal. Attempt to get a good night's sleep. Practice gratitude in the morning. Like all of these things are, you know, doing the work and moving the needle, like how you say it. And that combined with antidepressants, medication, seeing a psychologist, seeing a counsellor, will all help you to get better.
0: When you write a book like Happy, the idea that we as humans, it is there is day, there is night, there is full, there is hungry there is tired, there is (laughs) awake, there is happy, and then there is sad. It's not to say that this is the only state to attain, is it?
1: No, and I, I guess that's a point I make in the book. When you ask people, and this is why I wrote the book, because a lot of people are asking me how I was so happy, and I think what they meant was how could I be so happy having gone through everything that I've been through and come out the other side and say hand on my heart that I'm actually just as happy if not happier than I've ever been. And I kind of wondered about that too and that was what made me I guess write the book. And you're right happiness isn't the ultimate state and it's not even an outcome or, or a final destination it's about really about the journey and I describe it as being a wiggly line. Some days we feel really good, we feel really happy, we feel amazing. Other days we feel maybe a bit resentful, a bit shitty, a bit pissed off. And I think all of those vacillations in our emotions—they're all, all really normal. They're all valid. And just because you don't feel happy, 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 does not mean that there's anything wrong with you as well. It's hard to believe that too when you when you look online and you look on social media. Or you see other people, you ask them how they're day, and everyone's like, Good, they've all got smiling faces on. It can make you feel really alone.
0: What what are we looking at? We have to remember that we're looking at the greatest hits. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're looking at the we're looking at the mum who's just, you know, the mum in the full face and makeup who's walking down the aisle at Cole's and the active wear. It's like Okay, you spent three hours getting ready for this moment, but what were you like at five AM when it was just snot and nappies and ab dog pooed on the kitchen floor this morning? Like it's all like it was all happening today. All right.
1: But we have to be able to compartmentalise as well. Yeah. Michael and I had a big fight a couple of days ago and then I went to the shops and when people said, How are you going? I didn't say, Look, I've just had a really really bad fight with my partner, and I'm just I'm just thinking, you know, I just go, oh, everything's going good. Like, how are you? I guess it's how there's an element of self preservation in there.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, I, I, I can only imagine that as a quite a recognisable Australian, you would have to do that probably a little bit more than other people, because <laughs> <laughs> you know you just don't yeah. have the the ability to have that porous boundary with people you don't know. You've got to protect yourself there as well. I'm sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, though I do live, it's a bit tragic. I live in the town where I grew up, so everyone here knows who I am and they don't really care that much about me.
0: That's good, I think. That's not tragic <laughs> at all. That's the dream for a lot of people. Yeah. And it's weird I say that because I, I went to the other side of the world and I came back going, all I want to do is live back in Australia. <laughs> all I want to
1: do. <laughs> <laughs> my mum my lives around the corner. My in-laws live up the road. My brother lives in the same suburb that's awesome it is because our friends and family and our relationships with other people make up a massive component of our happiness and 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 they have a huge influence and a huge impact on how we feel about ourselves
0: It's quite an interesting mood state to explore how would you even how would you define happiness is, is it the absence of sadness what is it?
1: Yeah you know what I kind of grappled that with that in the book but then I thought, We know when we're happy. We know when we feel good. We know when we're working on stuff that we enjoy. We know when we're spending time with people who make us feel good. All of those things make us happy. And so I didn't actually come up with a broad or grand definition of what it
0: was. I guess we know when it's not there more than when we know when it's there.
1: We definitely know when we feel like shit. Yeah. Yeah,
0: We definitely know.
1: (laughs) There's a couple of key indicators, you know.
0: It's it's a hard thing to write on a book cover. How to feel less shit and other ridiculous aspirations.
1: Yeah, I wanted to write that, but the publisher said it would just wasn't celebrate,
0: <laughs> Damn you, penguin. <laughs> come on, if Mark Manson can write yes, I'll I'm not giving a fuck. You can write shit on a cover. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> now as, as you approach a, a book like this, considering the you know your your background and, and what you do. You really wanted to get some heavy hitters involved as far as sharing a bit of knowledge there. How do you even approach that? How do you, do you pick up a phone? Do you get on an email? What do you do?
1: I guess I didn't want it to be like, I don't know how to say this diplomatically. I didn't want it to be like your typical self-help book full of wild theories that are totally unsubstantiated. So I wanted to make sure that what I was putting in there was all supported by the research and then I just went and interviewed people that I thought had some really good insights on the subject matter that I was talking about. So one of the chapters of the book is about money. I came to the conclusion that yes money does make us happier if we are spending it on the right things. and so I interviewed Australia Scott Pape, the barefoot investor because I thought he would have some good insights on on money and, and how we can use it to make us happier. So that was the approach that I took. Right. Yeah, you know, for each little chapter I thought about who would be the best person or who would be the expert yeah. in this area. Because I'm not I wasn't the expert. I'm still not the expert. And I'm not even an expert in happiness either. It's basically just what I've learned along the way through my journey through rebuilding my life. And talking to some really cool people
0: yeah. as well. When it does come to your, when I when I look at your your book, it, it looks like there's a fair amount of, and I can really relate to it because as, as a as a sober person who manages a kind of different brain, there are there are things that if I don't do them every day, pretty soon doesn't take long, two or three days even shorter sometimes things can start descending fairly quickly and so i just do these things like a matter of course like watering the plants like feeding the dogs like if i don't do those things the plants will die the dogs will start chewing the couch open you know there's things i just kind of have to do every day what what
1: would be one of those things usher
0: well without a doubt without fail every day i i wake up and i call i taking out the rubbish i get out and i get in my notebook while I have my first cup of coffee of the day and I write out all the crap that's in my head, the stuff that's in my brain, I try and do a fair bit of work around um, figuring out what core belief or what personal rule or other psychologist terms for like what's behind this, what's the core, like one of my core beliefs is futile. It's from when I was a teenager. It's like you, you cannot correct me, all right, because I'm an arrogant son of a bitch, all right? Uh, so that's one of my core beliefs. And so, I have to constantly challenge that, and I kind of have to literally have to look at it every morning and go, "Come on, man, not today, not today and um, you know, I find a quote that I can meditate on and kind of look at, and then um you know and i I, I train every day, I try to train every single day unless my body's really sore because then I won't because then i I start getting sick, but uh, without a doubt, those two things, and I try as hard as I can to get seven or eight hours
1: that's so cool that you're able to recognize that doing all of those things makes you feel better about yourself and more in control or whatever. because I, I think a lot of people may not have that self-awareness.
0: I guess the, the way I, I would look at it is like, you know, and I, I did it once. I had a six-pack. I had ripped abs, all right? It took a shitload of work and I had to do so much maintenance to maintain it for the first like, – it was like, like the last two weeks or something right before we did the shoot. The amount of maintenance at work it, it took to keep that up was just too much, but I, I, when I see people with a six-pack, I'm like, bloody hell, mate, I know exactly what kind of life you have to live to have that. <laughs> Similarly, if I want to keep my brain as a six-pack, I've got a lot of work to do. I have to, yeah. and I can't let it lax.
1: Yeah, but that's good. So, like, one of the things I do every morning, well, first of all, one of the things I don't do is I don't look at my phone. Yeah, I talk about this in the book, but I don't look at my phone which might surprise you, it might not surprise you, but that's the first thing that most people do, yeah, when they wake up good; they're fine. And then what happens when we're just sucked into a digital vortex of emails and notifications and news and other things and all of a sudden our focus is shifted from thinking about what it is that we want for ourselves from this day to what everyone else wants from us for the day. And I think that's almost a backwards mentality to go into your brand-new day with, yeah. So I like to just ask myself what would make today great, whatever it is, whether that's going for a surf, going for a run, having a coffee with my partner, taking my son to the park after school, whatever it is, I just make sure I do it and it makes me feel a lot better about it for the whole day and just looking forward to doing that pleasurable and enjoyable event actually makes me feel better about my day as well.
0: So you actually, in in the morning, you pick a point of the day that you can plan for, work around, work towards, and then enjoy. Yes. And then when it happens, there's a sense of satisfaction. Achievement. Achievement. I did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: What would make my day today great?
0: And none of those things sound to me like completely unattainable. It's like, what would make today great? If a truck with a million bucks in it crashed through my front door and the driver ran away you know?
1: (laughs) Obviously. Obviously. That's normally first on my list, but for some reason it hasn't happened yet. (laughs) So normally I have a number two. And like this morning, it was run with my son in his pram to preschool. So I jog with the pram. It's not very far away. It's like a couple of kilometers. I'm puffed and sweaty when I get there. Then I come back home with the pram. But I feel better about myself after doing it.
0: But those little small achievements... Yeah. And they add up over time because they – what does that do for your sense of self-esteem once you start putting those things happening day after day? Well,
1: I guess it just – I don't know. I don't. I guess I, I don't look into it. You are a very intelligent man, Osh, and you – I get the sense that you look into things really deeply and you're, you're very articulate. You. I just think uh, going for a run with my son just makes me feel better. <laughs> like yeah. that's how I look about it and – when I think about it in the morning when I wake up and I think I'll go for a run with my son in the pram, then I can feel in my body I'm looking forward to it. I know it's going to be hard, but it's something cool that we get to do together. It'll be fun. And so it's almost like I'm anticipating this enjoyable event in my day.
0: I guess what I was asking is that I know from my, you know, my journey of sobriety, early on in sobriety, and I've seen the... You know, other people who, who come into the, how do I put this, the program of sobriety that I'm in with a fellowship of other people, uh, people who come in, there's a great deal of humiliation when you show up. And I was humiliated. By the time I had to get sober, I was absolutely humiliated. I'm sitting here in this room. I'm a fucking alcoholic. I'm a no-hope. I can't do anything but get drunk every day as much as I try not to. And I felt my self-esteem just vanished. And someone said to me, if you want self-esteem, do esteemable acts. All right? You have to go out and find it. And little things what you've just described, like giving yourself that little mission for the day, I'm going to go and have a cup of coffee with a friend after school, or I'm going to like tiny stuff, really achievable stuff over time. Brings the idea of like, oh, hang on, I can make a plan, I can fulfill a plan, and I can have a sense of achievement. And brick by brick, you build a little Lego model, and soon enough, the, the Lego model becomes a house, and soon enough, it, you know, it's cottage, and then it becomes a house, and then it becomes a castle. And then you, 10 years later, you know, here I am, and I've, I've, there's this freaking mansion that I've created. Not mansion, that's such a bachelor word.
1: Uh, <laughs> I understand. You know what I'm saying? Like
0: brick by brick by I brick by brick. And, and that's definitely one of those things that I'll do if I'm feeling down or if I'm f- feeling if I've got the sads. Just trying to do that, trying to do little things. That's really, really, really important when it comes to g- gratitude. I know there's a lot of research that has been done on it that proves why why it works. But w- what have you found to be so appealing about the practice of gratitude?
1: Look, I do a gratitude practice. It sounds way more fancy than what it is when I say it like that. But I do that every morning. I try and think of three things that I'm grateful for, and usually it's people in my life, so like my family or my friends or my kids or my partner, and I think when you focus on what you do have in your life as opposed to what we don't have, which is our default state, all you're doing is you're just training your brain to consistently be focusing on the positives. That's all it is. And the more you train yourself to focus on the positives, the easier it is to be in a situation and focus on the positives of that situation. So that's what gratitude does for me. It helps me to see the light. It helps me to see the positives. It also changes my behavior to the people that I love, you know, because so often we can take the people around us, the people we're closest to, our partners and our families and our kids and our friends. We can take them for granted. By doing a gratitude practice, it reminds me, and hey, these people are really fucking cool. They're really fucking special. They are awesome and you are blessed to have them in your life. Yeah.
0: It's interesting, Like as you mentioned that, you know, training your, your brain for gratitude. I thought about when you're training, when you're learning how to drive and someone says, oh, you need to look out for cyclists and you might not have ever noticed them before mm. and then suddenly all you see is cyclists. You're just trying to train your brain to just constantly see this thing and be on the lookout and you might have never, ever, ever noticed. Like I'm sure you saw this as you were expecting your first baby Suddenly, prams everywhere.
1: Everywhere. My neighbor's pregnant. And then, it, the yeah. lady across the road pregnant. And then there's a pregnant lady in the supermarket. Yeah. And then I open up a magazine. There's a pregnant woman yeah. in the magazine. But those, yeah.
0: those people were <laughs> always there. I know. I, I know, Asha. I get it. Yeah. But we just didn't see it. You know, we went looking for it. And then. Similarly, that, that's all we're doing. That's all. We're just training our brain to see that so that the, the default, as you mentioned, your default reaction as you learn to lift the weight heavier starts to get stronger and stronger so the default reaction isn't, oh, everything's so shit. It starts to be, oh, things aren't so bad. And then it might be, oh, things
1: are pretty good. <laughs> I like that little voice you do as well. That's very cute. That's oh, my
0: other person voice. Oh,
1: yeah. Does your other person have a name?
0: No. Oh, <laughs> there's probably a few in there, to be honest.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I call my other person my inner critic, yeah, she can be a real sassy bitch <laughs> yeah if I let her out for too long
0: yeah yeah i've got yeah. A, I've got a bunch actually to be honest, I've got a bunch, and and as part of the um I found great help with um acceptance commitment therapy, yeah yeah, acceptance commitment therapy that's kind of like it's really that's the last one that you do before you end up getting back on the antipsychotics because i was I was just not getting better. And I've been on antipsychotics and I don't recommend them. And acceptance commitment therapy teaches you to those inner critics that you just described. I have like five or six of them that look for separate different things. And what I do is I give them kind of like ridiculous, kind of almost like Ren and Stimpy or Rick and Morty kind of superhero names. Yeah. So, for example, uh, one of the guys is Captain Cataclysm. Ah, oh, Captain Cataclysm's here again. G'day, mate. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks for that thought. That's not real. What's real right now is that I'm here with Audrey and G and Wolf and everything's actually pretty good. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Off you go, champ. And by giving them names and, and kind of ridiculing them a bit, it helps break that pattern of ruminating anxiety, which I was so stuck in. But I needed meds to help loosen that up, Yeah. which is the thing. You mentioned before not, not touching your phone. I've heard a few different versions of this. One is like, until you've touched every person that you live with, don't touch your phone. I've heard don't touch it before lunch or don't touch it before you've spoken with at least two other people that you live with. What's your, like, when do you actually get to your phone?
1: So because I'm a mum, I've got young kids, they're up early and I could really get annoyed at that fact. Or I just go then I'm like five thirty. We hang out as a family for those first couple of hours of the day. Like that's what we do. So once my son goes to preschool, my mum comes over, she's with the baby right now. So I'll I'll breastfeed Rahidi, I'll put him down and then I'll look at my phone. Right. So I'm it's not it's probably not that long. I probably look at it at like eight o'clock. Oh, that's
0: fine. I, I, but I get it.
1: I'm not perfect.
0: Nobody I'm not is perfect. Nobody is.
1: And even in the morning, like I have a coffee and sometimes I am tempted to pick it up, to see like what's happened or what would have come through. And sometimes I fail, Osha. Sometimes I'm just mindless. I make my coffee and then I look at my phone and I go, yeah, don't do that. You put it down. This time in the morning is for
0: your family. But it's important to, I guess, not criticize yourself too much for those moments, to give yourself that latitude.
1: Yeah, and because like, no, no one is perfect. Everyone has flaws. Some days I am really positive, optimistic, full of energy, full of light and laughter. Some days I'm really sassy. I can be really shitty. I can be really resentful. I can complain or whinge to my partner or about my partner. And I think that's okay as long as for the most part and for most days I try. I try to be a good person. I try to be the best me that there is. Some days I can't do that. That's okay too. You know what I mean? Some days we're happy and we're we're full of energy and some days we're not. And all of that is fine.
0: Yeah. I was saying, as we just alluded to earlier, if the days that we're not start to outnumber the days that are, you may want to go and see that mechanic, as you mentioned. You want to go and see a specialist.
1: Do the exercises that they give you. Yeah. You might want to spend some time every morning like you do, Osha, maybe unpacking it. For me, I, I love writing. I found writing to be really cathartic, so that's what I did after my accident, and just consistently do the work every single day.
0: Why is morning such a good time to to do this stuff?
1: I think mornings, and I'm a bit biased because now, because of my small kids, and even a bit before, I'm a morning person, but I think mornings are the best time to do that sort of stuff because once the day starts, your boss is writing you, you've got that email to do, your colleague wants to pull you on a project, your mum calls you up, you need to go to her house, you know, your day is no longer yours, so to speak. And so I think the first time in the morning the world's quiet, then you really do have that space or that time to do those things for yourself. For me, that's my gratitude practice. That's me asking myself what would make today great. For you, that's sitting down with your cup of coffee and challenging your own beliefs. Um, so I think mornings are a great time of the day to do those sort of activities.
0: When it comes to then going after the things that you want to do, some of us can feel, for me, a coffee, I don't know, look, Climate change really worries me, Taria, but I think the thing that more than rising sea levels is that climate change is threatening the world's coffee crop. And I don't know what I'd do without it. Yeah,
1: I didn't know that and I feel a bit depleted now that you've said that. Is <laughs> it?
0: Yeah, it really is because it it's a very, very finicky plant. It only grows at certain altitudes and at certain latitudes? Distances from the equator. <laughs> I don't remember what, what that one was.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, is but it
0: yeah, that? it only grows in a certain temperature range at a certain altitude, basically. And some of the, the countries that are, you know, where it grows, are already they're moving their fields. And, and so the coffee industry is working very hard to try and figure out how to ascertain that. But what I'm saying is that for other people who may not have such a dependence upon a caffeinated beverage, how, do, how does one muster the amount of get up and go that one might need to bust them out of whatever it is that's keeping them down?
1: Yeah, I don't know the answer to that. I shall like for me it's a coffee or if I feel if I've had a really bad night, and not just because of the baby but because sometimes we just have bad nights, I'll have a cold shower. Yeah. Like I find that amazing just to like wake me up and kind of not snap me out of how I'm feeling, but it definitely makes me the opposite of lethargic, whatever that is. Yeah. And so I guess what people can do is just trial all of these different things and see what works for them because not everyone is going to love a cold shower. Yeah. Some people might really respond to the smell of coffee in the morning and that's what gets them out of bed. Yeah. Some people might look forward to reading a passage from their favourite book as a kind of motivational morning metric kind of thing. And I guess if you're really struggling to get up and go, again, go see that mechanic Start looking at all of these strategies. Listen to people like you, Osha, because your podcast is amazing. And I know, but I know this is what you do. You talk about all of this stuff all of the time. So it's just like start somewhere. You don't have the motivation to get up and get out of bed. All right, put on one of Osha's podcasts, just lie in bed, and just listen to it. Listen to it. Listen to what he says and learn a little bit more about your mental health. Like to start moving the needle, you have to start somewhere and anywhere will do.
0: That's very sweet of you to say, Toria. I don't quite know what to do with that kind of praise, but thank you, thank you very much. When it does come to when you are stuck, so sometimes those initial steps can be just so overwhelmingly large. As an endurance athlete, you had run marathons when you had your accident. You were it was a hundred k, was an ultra, yeah. Yeah, so that's a long fucking way. All right. I never I was training for a 50 when I uh when my hips gave out. So I was I was training for a like just a half ultra, I think, what do you call it? I don't know. Yeah, I can't I can't run anymore because um my, my hips are toast, but that seems insurmountable to go, I'm going to run for one hundred kilometers. All right. Yeah. For other people, you know, I'm gonna talk back to my inner critic or I'm going to be grateful every day. That might be the equivalent of running hundred Ks. What's the tiniest? Tiniest, tiniest step. I mean, every marathon training regime starts with you know run for ten minutes, and then take a day off,
1: off five minutes or even five minutes. And you know, people always ask me, they like, go, "How are you so confident? What do you see when you look in the mirror? Do you love what you see? Do you love yourself?" All of those types of questions, like, "How did you get so confident to wear swimsuits down the beach?" and if I look at where I am now, it's very easy to think that I'm a very confident person. But I've done all of those little precursory steps to get here. So, for example, I used to have to wear a, a black compression mask, right? And when the time came for me to take it off, only, I only had to wait for two years, when the time came for me to take it off, I was really scared. I was really anxious because my mask had become like my, security blanket it had become this barrier between me and the world and so you know what I I didn't just peel it off in the middle of a party and say hey everyone look it's me I started not wearing it around the house if a friend came over I would have it off then I walked around the block of my house then I wore it not driving in the car so I would see other people but I'd still have the shield of my car. Then I would go for a walk along the beach and I might see a couple of people that I didn't know, but that would be okay. So I just did all of these tiny little infinitesimal steps that in themselves, it's not a big achievement going for a walk around the block of your house. It's not a massive achievement having a friend over and and talking to them face-to-face. But it was all of those little baby steps that allowed me to be, Finally, where I am today, where I can be in my swimmers, go for a swim, say good day to people, my photo gets taken, it gets put into the papers, and I'm, I'm happy and comfortable with all of that. But it's not a magical process. It was, and it's been close to 10 years now, Osha. So it's been a really long fucking time, and that has been <laughs> a lot of, lot of work and a lot of baby steps in the process.
0: But I would bet if you. Talk to 10 years ago you and said one day you're going to be photographed in a bikini pregnant on a beach and you're going to be so thrilled with life and that photo is going to be put in newspapers all over the country, Taria 10 years ago would be like, would want to shrink inside herself and couldn't imagine anything more horrible. Yeah. You know, and I think that that's something that we have to just accept as humans that it does take a while but, just little by little, matchstick by matchstick, you can build toothpick by toothpick, paddle pop stick by paddle pop stick, whatever small piece of wood you want to use, right? You can build something gigantic and robust and just unable to be destroyed. But it just takes, yeah. it does take time.
1: And it also, a mansion like that also takes maintenance. True. I'm loving, I'm loving all these metaphors and analogies we're using now. But it does because just like you have to maintain the house, you got to maintain the driveway, the garden, you have to do your laundry every day, you've got to wash the dishes, you got to put them away, you got to make your bed, all of those things, you still have to do that work on yourself every day, if not most days.
0: And It sounds like even though the, the, the kids are there, you make time for that in the day.
1: Yeah, it's a priority for me because I know it makes me feel a lot better about who I am and the work that I'm doing in this world.
0: I can understand how it would be very easy to, as a mum of young kids, to put your own needs,
1: yeah, totally,
0: on the back burner.
1: Totally, and I think on the days that I do put everyone else in my family before me, and I'm not proud of this, but I end up feeling shitty and resentful with my beautiful family who, who are perfect and you know, have done nothing wrong all day. And I've found that if I carve out that time in the day for myself to go for a run, go for a surf, go for a swim, even just getting 20 minutes to sit down and write, if I carve out that time, I feel a lot better about myself and I'm a better mum and a better partner.
0: Oh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. Like most of the work that I do is so I'm not so much of a punish to my wife. You know, I'm a (laughs) punish. When I was living alone, I didn't do this much work. All right. But because I share my life with two incredible women and our little baby, I'm like I have to not make myself so toxic every day. I have to do this work. I've got to keep a lid on this shit. Ultimately, it's, it it helps me a lot. We are right now we're recording this as Victoria has gone back into lockdown. The city of Sydney uh, I don't know, we're skirting around the edges.
1: I feel like it's going to happen.
0: I think so. Yeah. It's a scary time. It's overwhelming because it's out of our control. What can you say? We've come through the first bit. We thought we were on the other side of it. Now it looks like we're going to have to go back down into it. We don't know what's going to happen with our jobs. We don't know what's going to happen with our school. We don't know what's going to happen with uni. We don't want, we'll don't never go on holiday again. I don't know. We're never going to take a plane again. There's a lot that's out of our control. What what have you learned about how to maintain this or how to open the pathway towards happiness when there is so much out of your control, when there are factors that you cannot do anything about that are deciding what you can and can't do?
1: Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that's, I guess the scariest is just that uncertainty. Like no one knows and I, I don't know, like I'm not a health expert. I'm not working on the, the vaccine for coronavirus. And when I was training for Ironman, my coach always said to me, just control the controllables. So focus on what you can control. Focus on what you have agency over. So for me, if I watch the news all day, that would make me personally very anxious. So I don't watch the news all day. I watch a little bit of it because I want to stay informed but I don't watch too much of it because that would make me anxious. So I watch the news. I don't watch the news first thing in the morning because my morning together about spending time with my family and not spending time on my phone or on my devices. And I try and just focus on what it is that I have control or I have agency over. So that's writing that's my health and fitness that's being a good mom that's being a good partner that's doing these interviews with you osha it almost feels like a little bit of a cop out being like oh well, i don't have any control over this situation but for me for my mental health it's how i manage the situations does that make sense
0: yeah a- absolutely like controlling the controllable yeah. really is all that we can do but also limiting the input because we can binge on that stuff
1: yeah, but that is controlling the controllables too, like recognising that if you watch the coronavirus update for four hours every day, you'll probably feel more anxious at the end of that four hours than you did before it. So if you want to just stay informed and stay abreast, you just watch 10 minutes. That's you controlling the controllables. Yeah, if you know that going for a run every day is going to make you feel more energetic and feel better about your life, Make the time, go for that run every day. If you know that spending time with your kids makes you feel lighthearted and joyful, spend time with the kids, be in the moment, and that will allow you to feel that way as well.
0: And that really is, as we mentioned before, it's just all we can do every day.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah.
0: I don't control health policy. I don't control travel policy. I don't. I'm
1: not the prime minister. I don't know much about it. Like, I live in Aladala, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, we don't have a lot of control over it. I mean, you do have a lot of influence, Osha, because you've got this podcast and you can control the guests that you have on it and you can control what you post on social media and the stuff you write. And I can do the same too, but beyond that, that's what we can do, but we can't really do anything else and we can't no. even – we can implore people to take action on a certain subject that we feel passionate about but we, we don't necessarily know if they're going to take that action anyway. Mm.
0: So if we do have to go back down into lockdown, and I'm, I'm guessing until a vaccine shows up, it's probably more likely than unlikely that we will cycle in and out of this yeah. for some time. I guess if that does happen, this is when things like routine and the self-care and that maintenance on that fortress that you're building for yourself just become absolutely so important.
1: Yeah, because you want to, when things are stressful around you, you want to be feeling ready. Like you want to be physically strong, you want to be emotionally strong and you want to be mentally strong as well. So whatever you can do to get yourself there, whether that's making sure you get eight hours of sleep a night, whether that's in the morning cooking yourself a nutritious omelette that makes you feel really good about yourself. Whether that's playing your guitar, if that's a time in the day where you can just zone out from your responsibilities, or whether that's sitting down with your Lego bricks, following the instructions and finding that activity really relaxing and soothing, you know, whatever it is for you, just go and do that and make yourself feel as good about yourself as you can and feel as, as strong as well.
0: And in this time of physical distancing, it can be really easy for us just to slip into the being alone. What have you learned about what it is to be in contact with others and indeed be there for others?
1: Yeah, well, I guess my definition of being there has definitely changed because I was like, you know, you had to go see people face-to-face. You don't. You can send them a card. You can look at a book that makes you think of them and then, package it up with a nice little note you can drop around food to their house you can do all of those things but what this pandemic has really showed me is that I always tell myself that I'm an introvert osher and sometimes I have like this fantasy that like I'm just going to move away and move to Alaska and just be canning and crowberries and just be self-sufficient I don't know why Alaska because I hate the cold That's like my go-to fantasy whenever people in my life get annoying. And then like two weeks into the social distancing laws, it made me realize I actually really like people. I like hugging people. I like talking to people. I like seeing my friends. I like catching up with my friends for a glass of wine. I like people other than my immediate family that I live with. Kind of like with camping, you know, you go camping and you come back and you turn on the tap and you're like, how cool is that? We just got water out of this table. Like, look at these nice clean clothes that we're wearing. Being without people and going through that social distancing reinforced to me how much I actually loved people and how much I genuinely liked the relationships I had in my life.
0: And maintaining those relationships while we can't physically hold somebody or, or be in the same room as someone. It's really important, not only for our health, but also for theirs as well, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, like, again, people assume that they are not resilient, but this coronavirus pandemic has illustrated the very opposite because resilient people can adapt. They are flexible, and that's what we've all done. We've just all gone virtual. We're used to doing house party and things like that, doing cooking classes online. I think it's just an example of I'm pretty much just saying the thing that I said at the start, just how resilient we are.
0: It's okay. You repeat yourself. It bears repeating. It's fine with me. Um, look, I'm aware that we started a bit late because I um babies and and haircuts and the dog took a shit on the kitchen floor. So, um, gotcha, do you
1: use your baby as an excuse? I. I, didn't, I know you didn't this time, but do you ever use him as an excuse?
0: Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'll use my sixteen year old as an excuse. <laughs> oh, I'm. So, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I know. But look, I just honestly, I don't want the Uber driver to know where she lives. Certainly, she has I've got to go and get her. I'm sorry, I can't. I've got to drop her. I've got to. I can't. Sorry. Seriously, Taria, 15 straight years of getting out of shit is what you're looking at, and it's amazing.
1: It's pretty good. It's pretty good. Like. That is one of the definite pros about
0: having kids. Oh, my God. Yeah, that and being dragged into the present moment a jillion times a day.
1: But isn't that cool? Like my son has really taught me that because I always thought I was someone who was, you know, like lived in the present, but I wasn't. I wasn't. I I think I was always someone who was always thinking about the future and things that they needed to get done. And my son has taught me a real, really big lesson in just staying in the moment Forgetting about all the things you have to do and and relishing the time yeah. With them.
0: Honestly, I could talk to you forever. I hope that this isn't the last time we speak. I'd like to speak with you again.
1: I'd love to meet you, I R L.
0: I would love that too. I'm a bandit for COVID safe. I am like masks... I am gloves, I am, when I leave the house, I am like, I am locked down, I'm telling you. You're making me
1: feel really unprepared.
0: No, it's fine, it's fine, we, where you live, you're okay, but up here, it's, it's gnarly.
1: Everyone's wearing face masks.
0: Well, at, at work, yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, we're trying to make a show about people making out and falling in love and macking on in the middle of a pandemic. We've got to keep them safe so they can do these things, otherwise we have no show. So, Taria, I'm so grateful that we could speak today and I'm thrilled that you have another book out. It's an extraordinary gift to people who these concepts may be new to them. They may have been confronted by considering some of these concepts because it's a confronting thing to suddenly realize that you can't blame the things that aren't going well in your life on everybody else, that you suddenly have to take responsibility and start doing your own work. That can be hard for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, but it is packaged in a very, very nice way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you think that's the reason that some people don't if you blame things on other people, then you never have to do any work?
1: Uh I don't know. Like I would assume that if you pick up my book, it's because you either heard of my story or that you are interested in the subject matter. And I think people who are picking up a book on happiness already have the outlook or the mindset that they want to be doing a little bit of self-improvement or maintenance, as you put it, Osha.
0: Yeah. Well, it sounds like it's quite the roadmap, and it's going to change people's lives. And I'm really glad you wrote it.
1: Yeah, I hope so. Thank you.
0: really, really glad you wrote it. You're the best, Teria. Thanks so much for taking the time.
1: I appreciate it, Osha. I look forward to seeing you on the telly
0: how good's Taria Pitt yeah how good is she she's extraordinary her new book is called Happy and Other Ridiculous Aspirations you can find Taria everywhere online Instagram Twitter she's Taria Pitt T-U-R-I-A P-I-T-T you can also find out more about her and the work she does at TariaPitt.com what a woman what an incredible woman I hope that's inspired you to get out and kind of overcome some of your own adversity today certainly done that for me. Thanks to everyone who helped me make this show. Uh, Rachel Barrett, my executive producer. Andy Ma, my exceptional audio producer. Haley Van Spagna on the socials. Mike Mills, my music producer. Thanks to everyone who's been joining me on Twitch. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I hope you can come and visit. It's really great. You see me on Thursday there. If you just go to twitch.tv, create an account and just follow me there. It'll let you know when I'm live. Usually Thursday afternoon is when I make the show for Friday. Um, so I'll be there. If not, Uh, You can catch me on Wednesday with Charlie Clawson for the um, start of Dad Pod Season 2. And um, I'll see you Friday for another episode of this show. So thanks, Legends. Have a cracking week. Until we speak uh, later on, sleep well and dream of beautiful things.
2: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better?